For those of you who haven't come across this term before, a calling is a vocation, a purpose, a sense of direction that comes from God. When I first started going to church, I remember callings being spoken about in our youth group as though they were a legitimate phone call from God with specific instructions, which when I turned 21 and I still hadn't received a call from God's personal telephone number, led me to feel confused and to wonder why I was being left out. Had he tried phoning but couldn't get through because of dodgy signal on my end? Had he called and I simply hadn't picked up? Or was I just not the type of person God would want to use? Maybe I mess up too much. Maybe God saw that one time I tried to fry eggs without turning the oven on and decided I just wasn't up to the job of doing anything for his glory. Now, who here knows the story of Jonah? Yeah, so Jonah's the dude in the Bible everyone remembers learning about in Sunday school because he got swallowed by a whale after trying to run from God. It's pretty dramatic. It's pretty memorable stuff. And what I originally took from that story as a child and then subsequently carried on into adulthood was this. Listen to God. Don't turn your back on him and make him angry, because if you do, a giant fish will eat you. And it wasn't until fairly recently, if I'm being completely honest with you, fairly recently that I delved into this story in a much deeper way and grasped a much deeper meaning. When I first heard the story of Jonah and the whale as a child, I honestly hadn't realized it was a book in the Bible. Jonah's got his own book. So I figured there has to be a bigger picture than man meets whale if he's got his own book, right? Jonah had a calling, and he messed up because he allowed fear to take over. God gave Jonah a clear mission. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, right at the beginning of Jonah's book, says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And this passage, this always makes me giggle a little bit, because Jonah didn't just turn his back on God, he fled across towns. He even paid money to get on a boat. It was quite a lot of premeditated effort involved. It's messing up pretty extravagantly. But you see, God used Jonah anyway. We get so busy focusing on Jonah's mistakes and his whole whale situation that we forget God still chose him for the job. Jonah, son of Amittai, was gloriously and painfully human, and God never gave up on him. He allowed Jonah the space to be human, and he still picked him for his team. One thing I find interesting is whilst we remember Jonah as the bloke who gets swallowed by a whale, that is not how Jesus wants us to remember him. The Gospels recall Jesus' teaching about the sign of Jonah. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41, um, I'll give you a little bit of context before I read the part which is at the end of this passage. Um, but we read that Jesus has just performed a miracle witnessed by the, these Pharisees, these great, well-respected teachers. And they, in their skepticism, they ask him for further proof that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus answers the Pharisees by saying this, No sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. Now, those that heard Jesus say this, they would have realized that Jesus was calling the Pharisees into parallel with the people of Nineveh, who, after hearing Jonah's cry, repented of their sinful ways. 
Whereas the Pharisees, well, they were eyewitnesses to some of Jesus' miracles. How amazing is that? And yet they still did not believe. Jesus is highlighting the importance of faith. The mission that Jonah feared so much resulted in his proclamation being believed straight away and in a whole city repenting. And as we know, repenting just means turning. A whole city turned back to God. Jonah needn't have feared the call if he had simply placed his trust in the caller. Now, Jonah, the human story, doesn't end when he gets scared, thinks he knows better than God, messes up by running away, or gets vomited up by a giant fish. No, this is the story of an ordinary person who Jesus remembers for turning back to God. Jesus says something greater than Jonah. For something to be greater than Jonah, it implies Jesus thinks Jonah was pretty great in the first place. Jonah's story is a story of redemption as well as a reminder to keep our eyes on God above the calling. Now, I don't think we can treat this idea of callings as the 2.50 p.m. train that stands still for a minute before closing its doors and rolling off down the line. If you miss it, sorry, pal, too late. No, if you mess up, your calling is still going to happen. A calling is something we continuously step into rather than it just being a destination we have to reach in order to be following God's will for our lives it is the destination the journey the stops and the starts and therefore if we perceive our calling in this way well then the dark times we go through and the times we make mistakes they have to be part of that growth into who God calls us to be we are not perfect we need God's grace and guidance without it we're permanently sat in the belly of a fish I believe that a calling means to offer all we are up to God daily. I'm not saying that we need to be asking God which cereal we should be eating for breakfast in the morning. I'm saying we should be asking God for influence in our choices on the things that matter, the things that impact our lives and the lives of others around us. We need to be praying, Lord, who do you call me to be? Or to quote Jesus' crack in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane directly, not my will, but yours be done. We need to trust the one who created us and gave us life with our lives. Jonah's story shows us that if you ever think you've blown God's plan for your life, you need to remember this. You, my friend, you are not that powerful. Your GPS location is not an accident, and every space can be a teacher if you let it. Even in the pits, in the belly of a fish, you can turn back to God. And Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, shows Jonah in that exact place, and he is praying. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Sometimes it takes us being in the belly of a fish to remember to look to and trust in God. Now, this isn't me saying that it's okay to go out there and act in a way that purposefully goes against God's will for our lives, with the idea in mind that we can always just say sorry and get let off the hook later. No, God knows what's in our hearts. But what I am saying is that God allows us space for the humanness to get scared, to get it wrong, to mess up. But you see, he wants us to trust him even when fear takes over. God wants us to say yes to him, even in the dark. Now, I'd like to play you um, a clip now from a classic film, which, in my opinion, is a work of cinematic genius. Um, And it is, of course, Finding Nemo. So if you just look to the screens, thank you. Just as well, he might be hungry. Don't worry, whales don't eat clownfish, they eat krill. Get away! Oh, look, krill! (gasps) Dory! 
we've stopped. Just stop trying to speak, Will. You're going to make things worse. What is that noise? Oh, no. Look what you did. The water's going down. It's, 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 it's going down. Really? You sure about that? Look, already it's half empty. Hmm. I'd say it's half full. Stop that. It's half empty. Okay. That one was a little tougher. He either said we should go to the back of the throat or he wants a root beer float. Of course he wants us to go there. That's eating us. How do I taste, Moby? Huh? Do I taste good? You tell him I'm not interested in being lunch. Okay. He... Stop talking to him. What is going on? I'll check. No, no more whale. You can't speak whale. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You think you could do these things, but you can't, Nemo. granted slightly different circumstances, but here we see Marlin and Dory in a sticky situation. They're on a journey and they find themselves hanging onto the tongue of a whale. It is not where they want to be, and even worse, they're being told to let go. They don't know how it will end, but they decide to trust, which results in them being spat right back out and they find themselves at the destination that they needed to get to all along. I think it's easy to see the whole being swallowed by a whale as God punishing Jonah for running away. It conjures up images of a stroppy child being sent to the room for time out. But what if we see this situation as God rescuing Jonah, as preventing Jonah from drowning in the dark waters that he had taken himself to? What if we see it as God steering him back in the right direction, taking him to the place he was supposed to get to all along? I personally believe that Jonah's story is less about punishment, humiliation, messing up and whale vomit, and more about God's grace. But also a reminder that when it comes to our lives, his way is best and we can trust him with it. And even if at first we don't, we get scared, we run away, God is still with us waiting for us to, tu- for us to turn back to him, and he will rejoice when we do. Now, after the whole whale drama, God called on Jonah for a second time with the exact same instructions. There wasn't an I told you so or a telling off. He was simply told to do what he was supposed to do. And Jonah, who was probably still scared, kept his eyes on God above the calling. He went, a whole city turned back to God, and Jonah was remembered as great. Now, I'm aware that some of you, you may be sat here this morning, and you might be in a pit in the belly of a fish, and you might not know how to get back out. Some of you might be sat here looking at me and thinking, okay, I get what you're saying, it makes sense, but you don't seem to realize that it is so much easier to say than it is to do. Or some of you might even be sat there looking at me and thinking, okay, Alice, those are pretty words, but you have no idea how it feels to be stuck in the dark. 
And if you're thinking that, I don't blame you. I genuinely don't blame you. I'd get it because I'm standing up here on stage and all you know about me is that I have told you I am a girl who messes up and then I told you about the time I once tried to fry eggs without turning the oven on, which is funny and embarrassingly stupid, especially as considering I think it was only last year and I was about 24. Um, But it's nothing in comparison to being stuck in the dark. So this morning, I want to stand here and I want to say, I am not perfect. I am not shiny or good or blameless. I don't always get it right. In fact, I very, very rarely get it right. Sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I'm unkind. Sometimes I know I should do something because it's the right thing to do and I choose not to do it. Like Jonah, I am gloriously and painfully human. Some of you will already know that um, a year ago, my dad died. Everything about it was awful and unbelievably complicated and heavy. And it happened just as I'd finished the first year of my degree. So the theology and youth ministry degree that I am doing now is something that God called me to do a long time ago. But I turned my back on it for several years because I didn't think I was good enough to do it. Eventually, um, I decided to trust God, and I I did as I was told, and I was full of excitement and fear as I started the course and my job here as a youth minister. And just just as I was starting to feel more confident in following this calling that God had given to me, my dad died. And suddenly, as well as having to go through another year of studying and working and my inner monologue going, okay, I love this God, but ah, do you really think I can do this? Am I the right person to be doing this? I was also going to have to learn how to grieve the suicide of a parent whilst authentically and professionally lead youth. And about a month in, I crashed. I took about four weeks off work, off life. I did carry on with my studying, but I spent a good amount of time, if I'm being completely honest, wondering whether or not I should just quit. This calling, this calling was just far too big for how I was feeling. And by stopping, even for just a short time, I really thought I'd blown it. I was very much in the belly of a fish, and for that time, I just wanted to stay there because it was easier. My faith in God wasn't shaken, but I was beginning to think that, that I was prepared to let him down, to turn my back on what he had called me to do and who he had called me to be. And I sat there for a while. And then one Sunday, I broke down, and in that moment, I knew that I was going to go back home after the service and verbally beat myself up because I had sobbed in front of our youth group yet again. But then Kirsten, Kin, she came up to me, and she, she laid a hand on my arm, and she said, thank you. Thank you for showing and teaching our youth that it is okay to grieve. And that hit me. And I realized that this this pit I was in, it was just part of my journey. And it didn't mean that I couldn't do what God had called me to do. And later that day, I sat on my bedroom floor in a heap of snot and really attractive tears. And I cried out to God that I finally realized I didn't have to do it alone, that I wasn't doing it alone. I've never been doing it alone because he's with me to help me carry the weight. And I didn't need to fear getting up and walking again because he was going to be there right alongside me. And with the grace of God and the kindness and encouragement of the most amazing people that he has placed in my life, I've been able to carry on walking. And don't get me wrong, there are days where I've tripped up, and there will probably be days where I'll trip up again, but I now have the knowledge 
that I can be human, that I can be scared, that I can mess up and that I can also sit on my bedroom floor and cry until I look like Palpatine with seriously bad hay fever. And yet at the same time, I can grow closer into who God has called me to be if I keep my eyes on him and trust his heart for me above all else. Now, I'm not sharing this with all of you because I want you to feel sorry for me or like at the end of the service, you have to come and encourage me that I'm doing an okay job. That's not my reason behind this. My reason for telling you all this stuff is because if you're in that pit today, I want you to know you are not alone. I think it's easy to think that the person standing up on stage with decent lighting has it all together or has some kind of a special deal with God where they've got him on speed dial. But this morning... I don't want this lighting to make me look shiny. I want it to show the scuff marks and the places where I have cracked or splinters because in that, I know I'm not alone. If you are not perfect, you are not alone. If you feel like God is calling you or has called you to something but you're scared to step out, you are not alone. If you've been sat in the belly of a fish for a while now and you don't know how to get out or maybe you don't want to get out right now, you are not alone. I'm going to ask the the prayer team to come up and uh, the band to come up on stage as well. And I just want to ask you if any of that is you right now, if you're feeling scared, if you're worried that you've messed up, if you don't quite know how to listen to God, if you're feeling alone, then I just want to encourage you to take a big, brave step towards Nineveh and to come up to the front and just let somebody come alongside you. And as we're doing that, I just want to close with some words of encouragement and a prayer. God has a purpose for you. You have a calling. He knows you by name. He knows your heart and he loves you with all of his. No matter what age you are or what stage you're at in life, if you consider yourself to be too young or too old, there is no such thing as too. No matter how often you mess up, God can and will use you. And whilst that may seem daunting, scary, exciting, or everything in between, I urge you to remember this. You, my friends, you are not powerful enough to blow God's plan for your life. Keep your eyes on God above the calling always, for he is with you always. And if you'd like to come up for prayer, um, please feel free to. Um, I'm going to pray over you as, you as you do that. Loving Father, we thank you that you know us. You know us inside out. You knew us before we were even a thought. I thank you that you know our story. You know our minds. You know the places where we've splintered or cracked. You know our scuff marks. You know our bruises, our scars, the ones that we're wearing, the ones that are starting to heal, and the ones that we're desperately trying to hide. Lord, I thank you that you know all of this, and yet you still declare that we are children of God, forever loved, and that we've been made worthy in your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that you are a good God who is with us always, in the dark times, in the places where we make mistakes, in the time for growth. Good things are happening, good things are happening in us because you never leave our side, Lord. I just ask that you help us trust you more. Trust the calling that you are placing on our lives, Lord. I thank you that you are a God who is worth praising and celebrating in all seasons. In 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.